You're listening to Disruptive Dialogues on the Future of Religion. Our aim is to provide listeners tools for a conversation on how religion is changing and being affected by society. I'm your co-host, Troy Shepard. I'm an app developer and a business entrepreneur and a researcher on cultural trends related to religion and community. And I'm your co-host, Dr. Heidi Campbell, a professor of communication at Texas A&M University, where I study the intersection of religion, media, and digital technology. Welcome, and let's dive into today's conversation. Well, welcome back to Disruptive Dialogues on the Future of Religion. And it's my privilege to have Bala Musa, who is a professor of communication at Azusa Pacific University, teaching out there in media studies. So thank you, Bala, for coming to our podcast today. Thank you for the opportunity. So um, Bala is one of the key authors in the new book that's coming out, Ecclesiology for a Digital Church, which is looking at not just what churches did during the pandemic, but really focusing on what are the big theological questions that churches need to ask as they look forward seeing the technology being more and more integrated into church worship and experiences in ministry. So first of all, Bala, could you tell us a little bit, about, just before you even got involved in this book project, I'm sure you were seeing different things online in your own church or experiences um, of how the church was adopting or adapting to technology. So what, what did you observe in 2020 about the relationship between technology and the church? Yes. One of the things that I noticed at the very beginning of the pandemic was how easy it was for some churches to adapt, particularly those that were well-prepared, those that were already on the trajectory of adopting more technology into their regular worship, and those that were more resourced in terms of the ability to acquire expertise or to acquire the tools that they needed. And others, it took them quite a while to figure out what was the best way to do that, how the kind of resources that they were going to, to need, and how to recognize that the atmosphere had changed. So we see that this has actually been the case with changing in technology. When we talk about web 1.0, 2.0, the tendency is to practice what you've already been doing, not giving as much attention to the changing environment and constraining what you are doing In many cases, you lose the potential, you lose the other benefits that come with that, whereas others tended to be very innovative. And also, I did quite well in taking advantage of the ways they could refocus or integrate the various elements of worship now that technology makes it possible for them to do that. So I saw quite a range or a spectrum of those that did transition very smoothly, transition with greater ease, uh, or those that kind of struggle either in terms of resource or in terms of mindset, understanding the impact of this changing environment that they had to worship at a distance. And I think part of it result, uh, had to do with why some were either reluctant or pushed back very forcefully on their willingness to social distance because they thought about this jarring culture change that came so quickly and so fast. Those were some of the things that I noticed. So, you know, when I invited you to be a part of this project, this wasn't the first time we've interacted. You know, you've been a scholar who's been working in the field of communication and media studies, teaching students for many years. And we've kind of interacted because we studied how the Internet impacts Christian organizations and church. So why did you decide, you know, when I asked you to kind of write an essay for this book, why did you decide to get part of it? And what were some of the maybe the research questions you'd already been thinking about as the pandemic was emerging? Yeah, like you have said, you are further along when it comes to being a leader in this aspect of digital religion, religion and media, the scope of work. But it's been a while also as a scholar of social media, media ethics, technology and culture 
I've been wrestling with this subject for quite a while. So when the opportunity presented itself through this invitation to take a deeper dive and look into how technology and culture are changing and impacting religion, particularly the church, I thought it was good to wrestle with it, interact with others, share my thoughts and have others also share there so we could see some of the emerging issues, the emerging challenges, the emerging questions, and how research can inform both practice and belief. I thought it was a very necessary, timely question for us to deal with because it's been thrust on the church and whether or not the church is contemplating well on its implications will have consequence for the future of the church because this is there's no going back. All right. Uh, even if we come back in person, new technology will continue to influence our teaching, our ecclesiology, and our practice. So I thought for that, I wanted to go further into the kind of questions that this is raising for us as believers and as scholars and as researchers. That was my motivation to be part of this conversation. So in this conversation, we have people from different cultural backgrounds, denominational backgrounds. I ask each of them to write an essay kind of about the things that they were wrestling with and to try to not just share their viewpoints, but to get people challenged to think in different ways. So could you give just a brief overview of the focus of your chapter and what maybe a couple of the key points that you were trying to argue or have people take away? So in my chapter, I was wrestling with the subject of the life of the church from the point of pneuma as the spiritual force, the Holy Spirit and the power of God, and how technology interfaces with it in regards to worship. So the metaphor of the body of Christ is a very good metaphor in thinking about the church. And now the Bible itself says that the body without the spirit is dead. All right. So the power of the Holy Spirit in the presence of God is what enables the church to carry out its mission. And uh, Jesus Christ told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they've been endued with power from on high. And what technology does is to enhance any kind of experience. And the question becomes, when we are able to use music and all the technology to enhance an ambience and an atmosphere, how does that interface with the power of the Holy Spirit in terms of what people are actually experiencing and what we consider as the move of God? And so I wanted us to reflect on, now that we're going totally virtual, the identity of the church. The idea of church as location, the idea of church as community, the idea of church as experience. How does a virtual environment enhance, limit, or even become an end in of itself in the new worship environment? Because as I talk about, those who are reluctant to adapt new technology argue sometimes that it can be a substitute or it can be a hindrance or it can become a, a crutch in terms of actually allowing the move of God. But my argument is that the technology is not a hindrance, neither is it a substitute, that it's part and parcel of the means by which we can be ushered into the presence of God and by which we can extend, as uh, Masha McLuhan talks about, that uh, technology or medium as an extension of man. So our senses in worship and spirituality and so on and so forth can be aligned with technology to serve the purpose of our worship and spirituality. 
So one thing you talk about in your chapter is some people have used actually even the internet as a metaphor for the Holy Spirit. It's everywhere. You can't see it, but you see the effects of it, this kind of pervasiveness of technology in our culture. And then, you know, you're also talking about this Holy Spirit does that in a very different way in the sense of spiritual community. So in what ways do you see that the Holy Spirit working and interacting through technology compatible? And in what ways maybe that metaphor of the Holy Spirit working through technology or being like technology um, be problematic? So being compatible, I think one of the elements is in the area of reach, all right? So the Holy Spirit represents the presence of God for us today and the ability to access the presence of God. So technology enables people who are physically isolated, who cannot come to the physical church to still be able to be part of the community, to be able to enjoy the blessing of worship and, and spiritual experience. So we see that there is that element of compatibility. There is the element of the resources of the church. The church global is being pulled together as opposed to being walled off just because of location, because of place, because of time, because of resource, because of generation, and so on and so forth. So those are some of the enhancements and the similarities that we see. Some of the drawbacks or conflicts that, that we see is when the internet or technology or virtual environment becomes either a substitute or becomes an end in of itself. People begin to innovate for the sake of innovation or because we can't do it or because we are not able to do certain things that we used to do as a community. And then I'm glad you raised the question of terms of background and experience because you will find that as much as technology is diffusing very much, there are still some aspects of society that are not fully integrated in there. So in that way, that experience of being in the body, they are still being isolated because they lack the access, because they lack the means, because they lack the tools to be able to fully uh, take advantage of that. But I see now the church is available 24-7, quote-unquote, so you don't like shut down the church, all right? And people can access, I see a, a number of churches, the worship experience is available for people to access at different times that is more convenient for them than they will not, oh, I wasn't available to go to church at this time. And also the idea that many of the churches are beginning to draw members around the globe. People that they know who are ministering in certain places, they are able to worship with them. They've not been able to do that up until this particular situation that emerged. In your work, in this chapter, you're talking specifically about the church kind of global in a broad kind of sense. But you've also done research on churches in the U.S. context and churches in the African context and how they have you know, used media, responded to media. So how would you say, in looking at those different cultural contexts, how would you say what were the main differences in churches' use of technology and responses of technology, whether they're favorable or cautious about it? in the U.S. versus Africa and vice versa? So it's, it's very interesting in terms of these, the similarities that I saw that I more than one had expected. And I don't know if it is because of the nature of the medium themselves that have this harmonizing or mainstreaming, all right, mainstreaming effect that is making many of them to operate in the same way, or it has to do with the fact that particularly in Africa, many of the people that are on the cutting edge of using technology a lot are the younger population who are majority right now of the population of those cultures. So the fair that is served, the trends that we're seeing become global as opposed to more distinct regional as they used to be. Part of it, I think, is a global cultural change in technology and the fact that the popular culture, in one of my essays that I wrote with my colleague, Mr. Kiamo, we talk about religion as pop culture in the digital environment. So you find that it's so diffused that they are all drawing from the same pool, even though 
they are far apart in different cultures. So I see a lot of commonalities, the worship patterns, the trends, the leaders that they look to, the themes that they talk about, uh, the issues that they address, it's a lot of uh, similarity. But when it comes to differences, you still see the underlying subtext of culture is very much playing in different societies. Societies that are high power distance, you find that the elite, the leaders of the church still hold on to power in a way that is much more concentrated. One of the things that we've seen with trend is that with new media, with digital media, there has been sort of a lateral horizontal distribution of power. But that has not really transformed drastically in high power distance cultures. And it has not translated drastically in terms of resources and access. So those are some of the differences that one has seen. So obviously this essay was you know, quite short in the book, 6,000 words in academic terms. That's just like a little essay. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the questions that you think still need to be pursued and that maybe you're even pursuing in your other work, especially when we think about technology? This wasn't just a couple month experiment. That technology looks like it's going to be part of church culture and church ministry in the long term. Yeah, so some of the questions will include a use and abuse. Technology can set the agenda for itself. And sometimes we are so optimistic. We are so hopeful that this is going to be the effect. This is going to be the change. And I want us to explore the questions of use and abuse, both by followers and leaders, and also the missional emphasis. Does the use of technology strengthen or sometimes divert and digress missional emphasis? The identity of the church is actually changing in so many ways in terms of we and they. Globalization in of itself tends to remove a lot of walls. Does that also sometimes mean a trade-off in terms of popularity, in terms of conformity, in terms of belonging? Those are things we need also to wrestle. Now, when we talk about use and abuse, and I want to expand it beyond just the traditional main church that we know, the uses of technology that inform and strengthen cultic tendencies. And those are things that i like us to explore, as well as our theology. How is our theology? Now that I talk about this mainstreaming, it is difficult to separate one denomination's doctrinal emphasis from another because members now are drawing from different, different leaders. They don't even see denominational lines as much. They see teachers or teachings that they love, and regardless of the denomination that they identify with, they are drawn to those people, and to what extent does that either enrich or even dilute the authenticity of people's faith are things I would love us to explore further. Well, thank you so much for sharing about your work, about the questions that you're asking, and about how we need to look in a different way the church in this new media era. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Heidi, for the opportunity, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified of future podcasts. And be sure to rate and review this podcast on your favorite platform or share it with your friends. We hope you're leaving today with a better understanding about religion and conversational tools to talk about it. We look forward to seeing you again in our next episode. So until then, take take care. care.